brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY, and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. I could do this all day with Jason Belfort because he's one of the nicest, sweetest people I've ever met and actually got to hang out with doing the coolest thing you could do, which is looking after your brain doing TBI treatment with the brain res- the Resiliency Brain Center. They need to rename that place because it's I struggle every time. It's tongue time. It's like a tongue twister. Welcome to the like- show, dude. RTMS. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's really good. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. Thank you. Don't be so silly. It's so great to talk with you again because uh, I got to meet you, like I was saying, and we were both doing TBI treatments in uh, Texas through Defenders of Freedom. And it was such a cool experience to sit with someone else who has been through 99% more than most other human beings ever have and learn the other side of you, learn the side of you that a lot of people don't see, learn the vulnerable side of you. And really for a week and a half, you were such a gentleman and such a nice human being. You were, <laughs> I didn't have a bathtub and they want, I'm going to go on a tangent. I didn't have a bathtub <laughs> and they wanted us to have baths with epsom salts to help and you're like um i will leave the room and you can lock it if you need one because you don't have one and you were just so you were so kind and so thoughtful um and we became fast friends and it was such a it is such an awesome uh honor to have someone of your stature as a, a friend of mine so to have you yeah, on the show you. is just as much an honor to me as it is to you so let's talk about your life dude because you're kind of this you're a wild man. You have a crazy story. Um, you didn't start <clears throat> off with the easiest of times. And mm-hmm. I think that's why where you're at now even feels that much more epic. So hit it wherever yeah. you're comfortable, man. Man, uh, I appreciate that. Um, those comments, are, they're, they're, uh, they're chilling, you know, because I, I don't see myself in the same light as everybody else. I guess when people tell me to stop and start seeing that same light I'll try I'm trying harder every day getting better every day that's my motto you know so um well I started out in uh in uh Kentucky a little town Ashland Kentucky um and uh 
you know, I, I didn't grow up with much, you know, my mom, working mom, a couple jobs, and uh, she's trying to raise two kids, and, um, you know, my, my dad wasn't in the picture until I was a little older, and 13, 14 years old, and uh, I grew up poor, you know, just got, had what mom had to give, and uh, I, I didn't, uh, education really wasn't a thing. I went to school when I went to school, and when I was in school, I, I was, you know, pretty much in special needs classes because I, I just had, I was just a hard learner, man. You know, I, I uh, um, you know, got made fun of all the time for, you know, not being able to read and all that. So they put me in some special needs classes for people who can't read or do math and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> I just felt like, you know, I guess this is, this is who I am. This is where I belong. And this is, you know, I guess kind of life I'll be. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, when I, my mom and dad got married, like I said, around the time I was 13 or 14 years old. And I, uh, yeah, so my mom and dad got married, uh, when I was like 13 or 14. And, um, by then I was just kind of, uh, I'd already missed a lot of the education portion of my life, you know, the young, young years where you learn everything. So <clears throat> I pretty much just struggled through school, you know, middle school and high school and, uh, I got kicked out of high school uh, my junior year um, for just not going and being a shithead. And uh, yeah, so I got I had uh, had my son um, when I was eighteen. My oldest son, he's twenty two. He'll be twenty two this year. And, uh, I just you know wasn't doing very well in life. Um, struggled you know during my younger years growing up um, and. I started out my adult life the same way, <clears throat> struggling with uh, education. And I, I knew how to weld because, you know, I grew up on a farm. And you know, one time I was 13 or 14, my dad uh, was a machinist. So he taught me how to weld a little bit. And then uh, there's some welding in the high school I went to. So, you know, it's just like this is, you know, kind of like the family heirlooms, probably what I'm going to be doing for ever. And I just went to work as a welder in a little machine shop making like six bucks an hour and trying to raise my family on that and uh you know i probably you know my, so my brother died in 2004 and and when he got sick uh you know we me and him were close already my oldest brother matthew we were, we were close already but when he got sick we got even closer and uh he died uh, April 16th, 2004. And about a week or so before he died, him and I had a deep-seated conversation, you know, and he's like, you know, you've, uh, your whole life, you just let people tell you what you can't do. And and you've, you've had everybody tell you that, uh, you know, you're worthless and, you know, you're, you're just what you are and, you know, you're your own fault and all those things. And he said, you, the, the worst part about you is you listen to them because you're none of those things and you can do anything you put your mind to and uh, there's nothing that can stop you whenever you decide to do something uh, and I see it in you and, and you can do whatever you want brother and he died a week later and uh, it killed me you know and for a while I went completely off the deep end um, buried myself in alcohol and bad decisions and uh 
in the bars, you know, and fighting and being an idiot until, uh, until I, I, I lost my job <laughs> and, uh, and kind of, you know, was a slap in my face. Uh, now I didn't have a way to raise my family or take care of them at all. So <clears throat> um, I ended up getting a job making, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, nine or 10 bucks an hour. Uh, and I was on my way home uh, from work when I lost my job and I, I looked off to the left at red light and this place is still there. I posted a little thing about it not too long ago, actually. And, uh, the U S army Marine, Marine Corps Navy. And, uh, I just pulled in there and I was like, Hey, I want to join the Marine Corps. I want to be a Marine to start with. And, uh, they're like, you don't even have a GED dude. Like, <laughs> We don't take retards. That's literally what the uh, what the Marine Corps recruiter told me at the time. What year was this? Two thousand and four. So two thousand and four, you joined. So Iraq, um, nine eleven no, had already jo- happened. No, sorry, you yeah, were, you went and did all of this though. Yeah, after nine eleven. Yeah, um, I didn't join until two thousand and five because I had a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> I. Uh, so it kind of pissed me off when he told me that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to the uh, the army recruiter. Was like, "Hey man, come down here. I'll talk to you." And he's a good dude. Really, really, actually turned out to be a nice guy. And he uh, he gave me like some study material and stuff. And I took the little computer ASVAB thing. <laughs> he was right. I, I was not good. Um, but I went home and. I told you just my, didn't um, know. You didn't have the knowledge or the tools, <laughs> man. It's not that you were not good. You just didn't have the time put it into you. Right. And uh, my ex-wife is super smart. And she's like, I went home and I was like, hey, I want to join the army. She's like, you probably should get your GED first. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, fair enough. So uh, Not um, wrong. <laughs> Not wrong. So she uh, she helped me study, and um, I had you know I've had a lot of failures in my life, like literally, like I've I've, I've been unfortunate enough to not have to do anything the first time. <laughs> I get to do it three or four times till I actually get it down. <laughs> you can take All it right. how it is. You just a hard learner, but I uh, yeah, so I failed my GED test like three times. Um, I failed it. Then the third time I passed everything on the GED test portion, the bubbling portion. And then I had to go back and do the writing exam again. So technically it's four times, but I got all the answers right the first time. Um, I, I tell everybody, I was like, I'm a hard learner. Cause like, if you look at my line scores, you know, that show like it literally goes right up to like the 75% line. I'm like, I crushed it. <laughs> crushed it, made it, got that one. My GED looks the same as the person that got the 100. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't matter. Exactly. That's the. I think that's the point. And not only that is how many people do you know that would actually go back four times to get it? That takes a different type of person. And, and that tells me everything about the human you are and not what the labels they make you have. <laughs> And, uh, so I got, I finally got my GED in, uh, um, in 2000, in some, sometime in 2004. And then, uh, 
now I had to pass the ASVAB. So I went to take the ASVAB the first time and oof, that was hard <laughs> for me. I was like, holy hell. What it's is like that? College. Can you, can the you, ASVAB is, uh, yeah. it's, it's a, um, uh, general knowledge test. Basically you have to, all your, you have to score everything on like a 12th grade level, um, to pass it. It's like uh, math, reading math, general knowledge, um, functional, you know, this clog's going this way, this cog's going that way, what way is this one turning um, mm -hmm. type studies type, type thing. It's like a three-hour test, knowledge test, um, reading comprehension, word comprehension. And, like and that's that. for the military? Yeah, you have to pass that. Okay. Every, every branch, you have to pass the ASVAB and score a certain spot to get what you want. Um, so... I failed that thing twice. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the best part is the last time I took it, I scored so high because I went, I failed it and I was like, damn it, that's super low score. So I got my name right. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so I went home and uh, told my ex wife, I was like, hey, I'm going to need some more help. Uh, so we stood, so the thing is when you fail it, you have to go back 30 days. And then if you fail it again, you got to go back six months. Wow. So, uh, I failed it. I think they do things a little different now. Maybe I don't know, but I know that's how it was. Now. So I failed it the first time and I went back and, uh, I, that's what happened. So I passed it the second time. So I got like a really low score, like the fucking you got your name right low score and uh i was like wow that was really hard so i went back <clears throat> 30 days later and i had doubled my score so because i had doubled my score i had to take the damn thing again somewhere else so they could oh. make sure i didn't cheat <clears throat> that's what happened so uh yeah so i had to take that thing three times back to back that was pretty fun. But uh yeah, so I finally passed that, you know, all the way. Uh and then I, I was, you know, I was a I was a tubby guy when I first joined the army. So I uh I I know you wouldn't think that now, but um I was a little tubby tub. Uh oh, set too man. set too set too close to the food stamp dinner table. <laughs> the government help dinner table, I guess. <laughs> Jesus, I, uh, man. it was bad so i actually had to lose like 20 pounds to even join the army um yeah that's how fat i was well but, i mean uh, it's it's no i don't say it's no fault of your own it's you know where you were from and and where you were at as a person and the life you were in economically food stamps can only provide a certain level of food, which only provides a certain level of nutrition. And you see that a lot in the United States. Uh, mm -hmm. You see that a lot anywhere at that, the lowest economics um, level. That's where people are hit the hardest with obesity and diabetes and other health issues, because the food that they can afford is just not healthy enough to sustain a young growing child in a really productive way. And that's not mm. me being mean. That's the reality of what the world is. No, you're, you're exactly right. 
Yeah. And that's a perfect example. That's unfortunate, man. I'm glad that you're not like that anymore. I can't, call, <laughs> I don't know that I can get away with calling somebody a tubby tub. I'm doing quotations because I think I'd get canceled. So you do you though. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. So, uh, well I was, so I, I uh, definitely know that, but, um, no, so I joined the army and, uh, so I, I got in, man. And I was like, yeah, I made it. Um, <laughs> finally and then when i got to uh then when i got to uh what we call 30th ag is where everybody you know goes you know like the, through the medical portion everybody gets it's going to be you know if you're going to be infantry you go to 30th ag or wherever you come to fort Benning, you go to that like end processing place um i was there for like two weeks man i i thought i was gonna lose my mind um, because you don't do anything yet, right? You just get your issue and you get this and you know how it goes. Like, it was just insane. So I remember, and back then we had pay phones, right? We didn't have the luxury of having cell phones. So um, back then you had to like, you, you had to buy like this little card, right? And you're like putting the number in the cell phone or you know, like calling home. We used to accept a collect call from Jason Belfort. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> so, um, I, I remember I, I called my ex-wife and I was like, I can't do this. And she's like, stop being a pussy. <laughs> hey, someone had to say it. And, uh, it, you know, she would never say that now, but, um, the funny part is like, she's like, stop, you, you know, you've worked too hard to get there, you know? And she's like, you're just, you know sad and lonely right now because you're not doing anything you're not busy you know it's just like you're fine we're fine the kids are fine like you can do it stop stop being negative or whatever i was like all right well she didn't try to be positive or she doesn't want me to come home so neither one but <laughs> um, so you know i went back and soaked in my sorrows and went on to basic training uh which all the military schools I've been to, and you know, I've been to a lot of them, and uh, I would never have gone back. I'd go back to ranger school before I went to basic training. That's how bad I hated basic training. Really? Um, yeah, I just hated it. I just hated that bad? Every, I hated every day. I don't know. It wasn't that bad for other people, but for me, I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's just 17 years later, I've been in the Army, as, you know, the first aren't now, and I'm like, yeah, I still wouldn't go back to basic training. <laughs> but, but for you, I mean, when when you guys go in, you guys go in a little differently than we do. It sounds like because when you said you went to this and you got, you know, you were issued stuff and you were at that place for a couple week period or whatever. When we go in basic training, we go to basic training and we just start getting screamed at. But we don't get kit for like a week, but we still have to we still have to do drill. We still get woken up. We still get screamed at, but all in civilian clothes. I, <laughs> I mean, at least you guys didn't, you got a little reprieve. You've got a little kind of step yeah. in nicely before you got yelled <laughs> at. How did you lose all the weight though, before you were able to get in? Uh, so cliche at the time, but the Atkins diet. Really? Yeah. Um, Tuna, pork rinds, and salad. That's about Oof. it. 
It was horrible. <laughs> but you got it done, though, man. And she was yeah. right to say that to you because, my God, you did all that work. I uh, know. And then, uh, so then, you know, I, I actually turned out to be pretty good at PT because I've been doing martial arts. Uh, I've been doing martial arts while I was, you know, I've been boxing and doing martial arts as a civilian. So, uh, what martial art? I I have a black belt in Shotokan karate. Um, and then I did uh, just like the local boxing club, uh, Southern Hall Boxing Club. And then uh, I did jujitsu in Huntington for uh, like several years. So, um, you know, I was, I, I, I had done some fitness stuff, like, you know, fighting is a lot different fitness than you know, the military type fitness, running and all those things. But when I got to base training, I actually turned out to be pretty decent at PT um, when I started doing it uh, all the time. Um, I still wasn't good at running, but I figured it out. But uh, <laughs> I, I did so well, I got a, I actually got a ranger contract in basic training. And I was like, oh, cool, uh, where I went to, where I was supposed to go be a ranger in the regiment. And uh, then I, you know, pissed, literally pissed that away in an airborne school uh, when I got drunk and showed up to PT the next morning with no shoes on. Uh, they frowned on that. But you showed <laughs> up, though. That's the key. You still showed I up, was, my friend. Dan, you know what? I pride myself on this. 17 years, I've never missed a formation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that shows a lot uh, in your character. But what, uh, how old were you when they gave you, you were in basic? Uh, 23. And they gave you a contract for, that's kind of crazy. How often does that happen? Yes. Well, I mean, if you do, you, you know, usually if you have like the PT score, back then, was, back then they would waive everything but the PT score. If you're good at PT, they're like, here you can go with the regiment. You'll go to get a chance to go to back then. It's called RIP Ranger Indoctrinational Program. Um, <clears throat> so you're good at PT. Here you go. You can go off to RIP. Um, so I I was like hell yeah I want to do that right. It was I was like yes I want to be a ranger. And then I got kicked out of Airborne School and ruined that. So they sent me off to what's probably known as the worst place in the army. Uh, or one of the worst places in the army is Fort Polk, Louisiana. Um, it's just atrocious. The mosquitoes are like pterodactyls there. Um, <laughs> the, the, the ants will carry you off. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's hot. It makes Georgia look like, you know, it's, it's hot. How hot as are hotter than Georgia, I think sometimes, but it's just nasty. But uh, the post probably way better now, but when I was there, it was just run down horrible. Um, but I did meet some of the best men in my life there. You know, I, I went to, uh, I got two deployments out of that place. You know, I was there for almost four years. So I did a 12 month deployment, came back from that 12 month deployment. Um, and that was a rough deployment, man. Like we, I think we were in like 60 some firefights that deployment. And we just got after it. We did like old school ranger stuff, um, old school infantry stuff where we like walked the mountains and, we did, uh, re, you know, we reacted contact and, you know, uh, all kinds of, you know, staying out in the mountains, you know, it was just crazy. Like, uh, actually, um, you know, I told you that I talked about writing a book and uh, one of the chapters I'm going to write in a book is called The Last Infantryman. Um, 
and it's about that time in Afghanistan about how like you know we're probably one of the last known units that literally have done like the infantry life or didn't shower for you know multiple months at a time and you ate MREs every day and you didn't have like that whole you know I can call Wi-Fi stuff you know we wrote letters home um, at the time it was you know horrible right <laughs> but looking back like what an experience you know like uh, to be able to say I you know I served with like some the, I'm still really good friends with the guys I served with there because we were in some just knock down drag out firefights together uh, and we were kids, man, like 23 years from 18 to like, you know, our platoon sergeant probably wasn't over 30. So like from 18 to 30 years old, we're kids just, you know, taking the fight to the enemy every day. Um, I, I tell people all the time, I've probably been just as many firefights in my PT shorts as I have in my full uniform. <laughs> Wait, what year did you do? So you went from, you went to RIP and you did that. What year did you deploy the first time with the rangers so well the first time i deployed was with 10th mountain so i uh the first two deployments was with 10th mountain because i didn't make it in ranger regiment because i got kicked out of airborne school so they shipped me to fort polk um so i did two my first two deployments was with the the 10th mountain division that was out of fort polk uh and that my very first deployment was uh in i think it was February, March of 2006, and we were gone almost a year, like right out of a year. Uh, too long, and, man. And we, yeah. Those deployments and are too long. It was horrible. And those deployments, too, like like I said, you know, that first deployment, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have all the, we had like spotty internet. Sometimes you could go out in this little like Connex and maybe be able to, you know, um, Yahoo message your spouse, you know. Um, there, we didn't have phones all the time. You know, we had like one phone that, you know, everybody cycled through. Um, we didn't have Wi-Fi. like none of that stuff existed back then. You know, it was, it was rough. It was rough. Uh, and we did that for like a year, but that's, but like psychologically though, Jason, that's like a, it's one thing to be roughing it and doing all those things, but it's another to be that young also in that formidable age and just that inexperienced if you will out there doing it you know and doing it old school that way where mm. you're just not you're not in communication with support systems and you're doing it for such an extended period of time i mean that does psychological damage and i think the 12 month the 18 month deployments that you know the americans were doing were just destroying people's souls man like the guys we had at, at fob ramrod a uh, friend of mine, he was on his second Afghan. I did some in Iraq and he was on a second Afghan and he, he was doing uh, 12 or longer. Mm -hmm. That just, that's not, it, I get you're in active war. I get it. But like we were mm -hmm. doing six to nine. Right. And yeah, that's and different. My six. So Mike, after my first deployment, like I said, we got after it. My first deployment, we went hard in the paint, and then uh, <clears throat> I came home and we had like a lot of training. And then I went to sniper school. I attempted ranger school my first time and failed. <laughs> um, got hurt, and but uh, anyway, um, and then I went right back. My daughter was born 
my daughter was born in December, her birthday is December 22nd. I think I deployed a month later. Uh, her, her birthday is December 26th, I'm sorry, but we deployed a month, I deployed a month later, gone 15 months. My daughter was a month old, you know, barely opening her eyes. And uh, when I came back, she's walking and talking, you know, she had no idea who the hell I was. It was insane. That's gotta be hard on the family dynamic. Uh, not only just for you being on the deployment, but for your spouse and for your kids. I mean, the adjustments that put you guys through couldn't have been easy. No, it was rough. Uh, for me, I, and I'm sure my ex-wife would tell you, but um, she handled it well. I mean, uh, she handled it, you know, you know, as best she could. But um, for me, it was just rough when I came home and my my daughter just, you know, she would hardly come to me even she would hide under the table and uh she would cry if i'd just go pick her up like that was really that was mentally hard on me like it, it really fucked me up for a while and i was you know i would like bring her candy you know and bring like i just you know try to be, be friend she's great now she's 14 obviously but um but it was it was so, so hard on me and and i remember telling myself i was like you know I don't want to get out of the army, but I'll, I will never do another 15 month deployment and I'll get out of that ever if I have to. So that's when I was like, well, I want to go back to be a ranger. So I went, I went to RASP and I did what they call running the gauntlet. So I, uh, I went to, like I said, back then it was RIP. So ranger indoctrinational program. So I went to RIP. I had a, uh, like a weekend off, I think. Yeah. And then I went to pre-ranger, which is three weeks. So four weeks, three weeks. And I had, then I went, went to ranger school the next weekend. So back to back to back those schools. And then I actually graduated ranger school and reported to the regiment. But um, I was back to back to back in all those schools. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Uh, it's going to suck. <laughs> uh I failed the first time when I went, you know, I tried to go to ranger school the first time back in 07 and I failed. Um, I tried to go to ranger regiment back in uh, 05 and I failed that. Um, and I was like, I'm not failing again. I'm fucking, this is third time's a charm and I'm going to get right. this. <laughs> so I would, uh, you know, I trained my ass off on deployment too. I, um, I had a groin injury from when I, where I failed ranger school. That's why I got dropped a medical drop in ranger school from a groin injury. Um, so I re rehabbed that while I was on that 15 month deployment the best I could. And, and I trained, man. I, I ran, um, I ran all the time. I, I lifted and I, I, I was like, when I get back from deployment, like I'm going to crush this physically. And, uh, I feel like I, I definitely did really well physically. Um, I wasn't, I was, you know, I, well, what the hard part was I had just done 15 months and I was back from January. I got back in January and I left for pre, pre, uh, pre rasp was a month long. So there's another four weeks I forgot about, but then I got there like one or two April. Um, so then I, I went to rat, you know, I was there till I wasn't I back home until August again. So 
Jesus, man. So I was gone 15 months, hung for almost, just under four months, and then gone till April. I'm sorry, gone till August. Then I had two months to PCS to Fort Benning. And then I went right into the training cycle with the regiment. And then I deployed for six damn months the first time I was with the regiment because then they started the surge thing. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm glad to be a part of that. <laughs> I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Thank you so, so much. Literally, the first damn deployment, I so the, the deployment before me was only 90-day deployments. And I was like, hell yeah, I crushed a 90-day deployment. And then the, my first deployment, they started, this, it was six damn months with Ranger Regiment. <laughs> And I was like, that's great. I'm glad I could be here to help you guys out. But, did, you deploy, did you deploy as a sniper for that one? I did, yeah. My first four deployments with regiment was as a sniper, yeah. And so what year was that, their first one? Uh, my first one was 2010, beginning of 2010. Okay. So not long after me. Yeah. That's a, that's a um, good time. They were bumping then. That's when things were really kicking. Oh yeah, we were we were getting after it. You know, it was definitely a good time to be a sniper. You know, the uh, the the, um, the the fields were blooming. <laughs> you you were busy, or as uh, what well, was the uh, was it the colonel that was at the who was at the dinner we did with Defenders of Freedom that spoke. He was great. Oh, the general. Yeah, the yeah. general. Yeah, the general, I, yeah, yeah. the general. He was like, I, I'll, I'll never forget this. And I say it so often now because it left such a mark. He's like, <laughs> between these years and these years, we were prosecuting X amount of people <laughs> per night. I started dying. I'm like, prosecuting? You were holding court, were you? Yeah. One round at a time, Court. One round at a time. <laughs> but he, it was the way he, he's such a gentle soul, but it was the way he formulated it so that civilians that were donating could could digest the information in a <laughs> yeah. way that was acceptable. <laughs> Perfect. So strategic. Very tactful. It's like he'd done it before. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think, right? Um so those deployments, those four deployments as a sniper, like that, that had to have taken its toll though. It really had to have. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, I tell people all the time and, uh, and it was funny cause like I said, me and Dave were sitting with some businessmen one time and, uh, and I tell people in the army this all the time. I tell people I talk to, say, oh, I don't care. And I've killed a lot of people and I tell people that all the time. They ask me what's, they're like, well, do you, you know, the first thing everybody always wants to ask, have you ever killed anybody? Yeah, a lot of people. I have a tattoo of it, actually. Every one of them. Um, but the thing is, you know, it's not like everybody's like, oh, my God, well, how could you be so proud of that? Well, the thing is, like, you know, if you see my tattoo, it's not about being proud of, you know, taking somebody's life. It's about being proud of, uh, of myself and the Rangers that were with me and the people that I got the chance to fly with. We... We took lives in defense of the, the freedom of our country, and we took lives in defense of the freedom of the man to our left and our right. And that's why I have no trouble with those types of things, you know. Uh, I tell if people it's them or you. That's right. I tell people that you know, um, I would, I would keep pulling the trigger to defend the people to my left and right, and it's not about. 
how many people I've killed that, that keeps me up at night. It's about how many people I've lost. Um, that does. So, you know, I have tattoos all over my body of my ranger buddies that didn't come home with us. And that's the hardest part, you know, that people, you know, it's not about, you know, I did good things as a sniper, um, but it wasn't about those things. It was about not coming home with your buddies. And that's the hardest part. Uh, I'd keep squeezing triggers as long as I could bring them home, you know, but yeah, that's the cost of war. That's the part people don't talk about. Like they, they don't want to have that discussion. It's, um, <clears throat> Civilians really often, uh, right around Remembrance Day or Veterans Day is what you guys call it. That's uh, November 11th. We we don't have a Memorial Day, so that's the time I notice it the most. That's when it feels like the whole country for a second. For us, a couple days out of the year is when they acknowledge veterans at all. And the way they do it is by having ignorant conversation most of the time when they come up to you and go, Hey, thanks for your service. And then I often ask like, what are you thanking people for? Do you know what you're thanking people for? And, and never has anybody ever said to me, yes, I I'm thanking you for X, Y, and Z. It's always been, I'm, it's just formality. There's no real thought behind the words. And then the other one is, hey, man, uh, thanks for your service. You ever kill anybody? Like, <laughs> shut shut up. Shut up. Don't yeah. ask people that question. It's nobody's business. And I get, yes, there's the side of civilians that are, they just want to, they don't know what to say, some of them. They, they genuinely want to know. But at, at no point is that acceptable, I feel like, to ask another human being, um, especially in a public setting. I, like if you're a buddies with somebody and you're just sitting there having a conversation and like, Hey man, like I just, I want to know because I, I want to know what your life was like. I want to understand you. I want to do that. Like that's a different thing, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's something different if you trust that person to talk with, but nobody wants to talk about how like, that's not okay to say to people, stop it, stop it. If you're listening, <laughs> stop it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Thank people for their service if you genuinely mean it. And then don't ask them that follow-up question. And if you're going to be ignorant enough to ask that follow-up question, know that you're going to get a stupid answer. You're going to get something sarcastic or really off the cuff that will make your face melt just to get a reaction out of you to let you know how stupid it was of you to ask that. So the way you discuss it and the way that you talk about the... The lives you took on your deployment. I've never heard a lot of people talk about it that way because it's not being braggadocious, but it, the reality is it's you or them. And if you are given that choice, which most people are never put in that position in their life, they have no idea how they would react. But you have been in that position and you know exactly how you would react. And I think that's quite all right for you to talk about because you're respectful about it and you're not braggadocious about it. That's the job you were chosen to go do. And that's the job you did. Um, you don't, I've, I've known you long enough now to know that's not, you're not one of those people that are like, Hey, I shot and killed this guy. Let me write a book about it. You're one of the people who want to talk about the toll this takes and why, it, why you feel that way. And it's not because of the lives you took, it's because of the lives that you, of your friends that you couldn't save. That's right. You know, I, 
I would never, and uh, there's no bragging in taking somebody's life, regardless of what country they're in. But, uh, and you shouldn't brag about it, you know, but war is hell. It is what it is. And, you know, wars aren't won mostly by not taking lives, period. Um, So, you know, if there was another way, you know, we would have probably done that. But at the end of the day, you know, that's that's the way of war and that's what we were there to do. Um, and I would do it again for every ranger I ever served with and every soldier I ever served with and uh, every American citizen that gets to, you know, wake up and uh, do whatever the hell they want on a Monday if they want. Lay in bed if they want and you know, serve whatever religion they want and be whatever way they want to be and love whoever they want. Like, I'd do it all again for every one of them. Uh, and it's not, you know, and and I, if it took my life to do it, then that's what I'd be willing to give. So, you know, it never got hard until, uh, you know, this is hard for me, but it never got hard, you know, because I, I thought my life, you know, I was like, all right, I've served my country well. And the Belford name is what it is now. We're good to go. You know, the Belfords have served their country, so on and so forth. Freedom is at our door. We are good. Until my son joined the Army. (laughs) And that was hard for me. Um, That was really hard for me. I I, I don't know if you saw the the TikTok I posted about passing the torch. But Mm -hmm. that was rough, man. Like, I was like, why? And why, son? You, you could do so many other jobs. You're a smart kid. Like, dad's already stamped that notebook. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you want to be a ranger too? Damn it. <laughs> you know? Led the example. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it really set into reality for me whenever my son, you know, walked up on the back of that C-17 for his deployment. And I knew that he was coming and I was going to meet him there in Iraq that night. Uh, and I remember taking, the, you know, from the place uh, that I was at, helicopter ride to Iraq. And um, I remember thinking, like, I can't believe that I'm about to go meet my son in the middle of a war zone. Uh and it was emotional and it was like, you know, there was all these emotions. Like I was proud, you know, I was uh, scared, you know, I was a proud leader and a scared dad, you know, um, and then a proud dad and then a scared dad again. Like um, it was just a river of emotions. And uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I didn't know, Nobody, you know, wants to lose their kid. You know, that's just not, it's just not a thing. And uh, The fact that my son, um, that I can say, it was proud. I was, I'm proud of everything I've done in the Army and, you know, all the accolades that I've accomplished. And, but my, my, my most proud moment was seeing my son swear into the Army. Out of everything I've ever done, that's the most proudest thing I've ever seen or done in my life is be able to stand there and watch my son raise his hand and volunteer, you know, at a time of war and be willing to put his life on the line for our country and the others, you know, um, and our allies. And 
uh, I, I, it was just a, it, it was a sovereign moment, you know, like, uh, I was willing to give my life and my son saw how, how much I was gone, how long I was gone, how much of his life I missed and all those things. And yet with all that being said, here he still is wanting to do his part, you know, and with the war still going on and all that, it was just an emotional moment for me to go through. Well, of course it is. It'd be emotional for anyone, but that shows your character. That shows the example you led for him. I mean, if anything, that you should be proud of that. It seems like what you were able to do and when others in your family couldn't was step out of that intergenerational trauma and step into something different and change it so that you wouldn't have to impose the way you were raised on your kids and you stepped up and did the job and you literally had to do it multiple times over and over and over again to be able to become successful, which shows that your character is, is something that can never, ever be questioned in my opinion. And then to have that example be so influential and positive that your son wants to go and do the same thing. I mean, that's, that's a special thing, my friend. That's something that you should be incredibly, incredibly proud of. Yeah, my last deployment finished at five and a half years of deployment time, 66 total months. Man, and they wonder why people struggle when they come home for normalcy (laughs) and life and going back to this bullshit after doing like the majority of someone's life in a war zone. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it was, uh, it was hard for me, like, I put a mask on for a long time. Um, you know, I was, I was a totally different person. And, you know, I was, uh, I tell my counselor, like I was, I had this conversation with my counselor last night. I, uh, she said, do you think that the Jason you are now could have went through the things that you went through then and got you where you're at today? And, my honest opinion and my honest answer is no. And I think the reason no isn't because I can't physically do it and I'm 40 now. Like that's not the that's not the case. Um, the maturity level that I'm at now, as far as like those abilities, um, and I understand the whys more now. <laughs> uh, and then I was just a go and grind and this is my job and yes, sir. And yep, I'm doing it. And yep. There's the trigger bullet. Like, yes, yes, yes. Right. This is what it takes. Yes. Put my, it's my career first, my career, 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 but I'm in a place in my life. Cause she's like, could you do it again? And I was like, the thing is I couldn't do it again. Cause I'm in a place in my life now where, you know, I stepped out of the, the light of regiment and the light of special operations and uh, I'm just ready. You know, I've got a couple of years left till I start to, I'm starting with a new chapter in my life and the, the, the person I want to be now. Um, you know, I've suffered a lot of mental health problems, you know, a lot of uh, PTSD uh, issues, uh, traumas, alcohol, um, you know, almost took my life, you know, almost committed suicide. Uh, in 2019 and you know 
if you listen to the podcast on Mentors for Mill um, with Dave and him, you get to hear that whole story. But I mean, it's about havoc and me and I was sitting on my truck, tailgate on my truck and uh, the world and the war and my life and my family. And it's all that's come diving in on me. And, you know, I, I, I was thousands of a pound, ounces of a pound from that trigger going off and Dave text come through and I looked at my phone the only thing that saved my life that night the the, uh, the fact of the phone said um, uh, I love you buddy just thinking about you <laughs> you know and it changed my life forever like you know I've, I've had a hard time since then obviously and I've been through some things you know in my life since then but and uh up until like we, you know, you and I met, like I, I went through kind of a hard time. Like I was, I would say like in a place like almost clinically depressed. Um, but I, I didn't want to lose my life. Yeah. You just didn't want to and, be suffering anymore. Right. <laughs> and uh, so <clears throat> a big part of my life now is I want to bring awareness to people. Um, and as a sitting first sergeant, you know, with all my accolades, uh, if, if that piece, just that piece, people just see the picture and makes them want to listen for just one second, uh, then I'll use that ability to get the word, to get what I'm trying to say. Cause I would never use my accolades for anything. I'm always like a, People ask me, you know, I, I have, you know, on, uh, you know, at Ranger Thoughts, I do the TikTok thing, you know, that you that so said I would be good at. Obviously, you're right, so I'll tell you, you're right. You're welcome. <laughs> it's fine. But, uh, I'm that's all right, <laughs> free of charge. I'm here. I'm just here. Um, you know, so uh, when I started at Ranger Thoughts, I uh, I didn't think people wanted to hear what I had to say, you know, and um, but I wanted to say it because it, I felt like it needed to be said about mental health awareness and telling people that sometimes it's okay to not be okay. And, uh, you know, everybody started talking about my uniform and what I wear, you know, I was like, okay. So uh, when I saw that, that they wanted to see those things and they wanted yeah. to hear about them, <clears throat> then I talk about them, you know, uh, humbly enough. But uh, for me, like if, if those accolades get them to listen to the first 30 seconds of my message, then I'll use that platform that I have now so they can hear that message. Um, because the message in general, you know, are, you know, they're about teamwork sometimes and stuff, but then in, overall it's about like, Hey man, I've been doing this job for 17 years and I'm fucked up. <laughs> you know, like at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, people go, oh, look at that guy and all of his, you know, oh, perfect career, like horseshit, man. Like I've struggled, I've failed my ass off to the top. I've burnt bridges that I didn't want and I wish that I could just go back and sew together. You know, like um, I've done it all and I, I want people to know that like, you know, that's why my motto is one shot to get better every day. And I just want to, I want to be like, take the things that I've learned from you, take the things I learned from um, the, the medical professionals that I've seeked out, the therapists that I've done, um, the uh, 
RTMS therapy that we got um, and those type of things and, be, and tell people like, hey, man, there's all kinds of platforms out there that want to help you, like the Defenders of Freedom and um, the uh, uh, Nostos people and EIP and um, all those different type of, you know, nonprofits out there that want to see people get help and want to see people uh, be the best they can be every day. And they understand that people struggle, you know. Um, for me, like, I had too much pride to admit that I was struggling with anything, which led me down a literally when you and I, the week before you and I met, like I was fucking clinically depressed. Yeah. Literally. Like, I didn't know where I was going to go in my life. But I mean, you, you got to understand it's under, it's understandable to be in that position, like to feel that bad. I mean, it's not like you, you've done nothing in your life where there hasn't been damage done to affect you. I mean, being a sniper for as long as you were, we like these types of things, some of these things are out of your control. Like because of the jobs you did, you were exposed to a lot of blast waves, uh, a lot of shock waves, and that does major damage to the brain. And those are, those are things that we're just now starting to understand that they have a, a massive impact later on in life. And like, uh, really damaging one in terms of treatment resistance depression and other issues with the body like constant migraines and light sensitivity and stomach issues and just all of these things that keep people feeling worse and worse and worse and of course you're going to be depressed you're in pain your body is struggling to function every day and when every day feels like <clears throat> it takes every piece of strength you have to get out of bed like that nobody should be left to live like that man and I know you've seeked out these things. And um, even when I first met you, 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 the way you looked from the time I met you to the time that you finished your treatment uh, with the TBI clinic is a different person. And so many people who do know you and have known you for a long time have said the same things. Mm -hmm. And it's because you finally stood up and said like I don't care if anybody knows like I'm gonna just say <laughs> that things suck sometimes and as long as you work at it then you can get better and if you're gonna use those accolades use the hell out of them you've earned every single one so why wouldn't you be using them if people are gonna respect you and listen to you and you have something cohesive and you have something positive and you have something useful to say instead of just talking out in the world dude there's like millions of podcasts where they just talk like this and they're like did you know that like britney spears <laughs> is having a baby like nobody fucking cares put something Amen. useful and knowledgeable and something that people can take into their lives and fucking make it easier and better for themselves if you're gonna talk say something useful so you my friend can say whatever the fuck you want you've earned <laughs> the credibility to do so thank you uh, I definitely want to, uh, and, and you know, where I, where I, I love the regiment, man. I, I'm, I worked there almost 15 years and I, I had some of the best leadership that the army will ever know. Uh, legends and historians that the people that will go down in history, I got to the opportunity to serve with. But <clears throat> the regiment, uh, we, 
eat, eat our own there sometimes, you know, because yeah, we, I do. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we want that job so bad because it is the job to have, and it is, and I and I love everybody there, and it is the job to have. Um, but we haven't found that happy medium to where when we put leaders in positions and leaders to do different things, we haven't found the happy medium for them to still be able to say, Hey, uh, yeah, I've been doing this job for a year, but kind of fucked up boss. Like I need to get this checked out. and I got this going on because <clears throat> it's at a point, you know, and, and everybody cares about their career because they wouldn't be in those leadership positions, those key roles if they didn't care. Um, that they just put the mask on like I did for years and brush, you know, brush your family life and your personal life under the table. Uh, and we'll just drink that away later. And uh, different generation, right? Yeah. And we're going to just go hard until it's over with. And then when it's over with, I'll just go see if I can put those pieces these puzzle pieces back together yeah um so that's hard to do you know and i i hope that going forward like in the new the new generation rangers i, I hope that they can start you know um fostering an environment where guys can get more help where they're going to uh you know behavioral health and they're you know get looked at if they have issues and still be able to row every day and um, there are certain people, like there are people going to uh, behavioral health and getting counseling and stuff that are in key roles, but um, sometimes you need a little extra, you know, like being able to yeah. go get the uh, the brain therapy that you and I got. Um, being able to go do that is, is a huge thing. Now they have like the SPAR program, which I got the opportunity to go to right at the end of my key leader time, uh, which I was super thankful for. Um, but those are just hard things to go to, to take care of Ranger when they're in those positions. Rightfully so. I mean, you got a whole company to run. You got a whole platoon to be in charge of. So you got all those people depending on you. Uh, and that, I get that, but they can't depend on you if you're not here. <laughs> that's right. That is exactly right. Um, right. You're good to no but, one if if you're not alive. <laughs> that's right. That is very true. Uh, but I'll tell you that. Uh, Ranger is the most efficient person to compartmentalize in the world. I know a handful of you now quite well, <laughs> and uh, you're all the same that way. The compartmentalization is something that is impressive. I can't say I've ever seen it uh, to the extent I have in a community of people until I met Rangers and SEALs and the special operations. There is a different level of compartmentalization that happens. And obviously it happens for a reason. It's so that you can perform tasks that need to be performed without thinking about it. Um, and you, you need people that are like that because if you can't compartmentalize, that's how people get killed. Uh, you're thinking about things back home when you need to be thinking about the guy to the left and the right of you. Um, Rangers are a different Ranger. bunch. Call it Ranger mode. Ranger mode. You guys have yeah. names for everything. You guys are also <laughs> very, when y'all hang out or when Rangers are around, you guys get weird sexually with each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. 
And then not in like a way that I'm like being like, you guys are gay. I'm like, no, you guys just get weird. You wear silkies, these things. So these tiny little, for the people that are listening, they're like the, and you're not from America. Most of you are. Statistically. Ranger panties. And there are these tiny pieces of material that you guys call shorts, which are they're like your <laughs> they're Euro shorts essentially. And you walk around and you guys comment on each other's bodies on an ongoing basis. Of it's course. aggressive. <laughs> it's so and it, it's comical though. I the camaraderie within the Rangers and within SEALs and within any special operations is different than anything I've ever seen. And just to get to witness a very small amount of it is is a Fun thing from the outside. <laughs> you know, and that's what, uh, and that, and everybody, you know, like, why, why do you do it? Like I've had, I've been asked and I've given speeches on this before, but like, why do you, why, why did you stay so long or why have you done it so long? And, you know, there's, there's guys that are starting majors that have, you know, stayed there long, you know, longer than me, 20 years plus, you know. Um, but the reason that we stay so long is, the job is what it is. It's job. You, you know, you're going to go to the army and you're going to perform. If you're, if you're that kind of mentality person, then that kind of <clears throat> outgoing leader type of individual, you're, you're going to go to the 82nd, 101st, and you're going to be that leader wherever you go. But the difference is the people that we get to lead and the people that we get to follow the caliber, those calibers are unmatched anywhere else. And that, that is what, um, that is what keeps you coming back to work every single day. Uh, just knowing that everybody there, and we have our people, but we get rid of them, but everybody there, yeah, we just, yeah, they get RFS quickly. But um, <laughs> the ones that, they only give half ass, you know, just enough. Yeah. They don't last, you know. Um, but you know the people that you deploy with and you're going to war with, like they 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 literally just finished seven month plus training of just working their ass off to do this one job for this amount of time. And they're all looking forward to that. <laughs> I mean, who how many people go, man, I can't wait to deploy. Hell yeah. Like wow. Ranger, you know, <laughs> Ranger SEALs, like those guys, like we all, they're on the same line, you know, we're all like, I can't wait to get this training cycle out of the way so I can just go get after it again. You right. Know? Well, you guys um, are built, you're built differently. And that's why, that's why I've done it for 15 years. That's why the sergeant majors that, are there they've done it for the length of time they have because they get to lead or be led by the greatest people um, that you know I feel like the United States has, has to offer when when are you getting out because you're you're getting out soon right just a taste over two years man I can almost count the days oh okay <laughs> but you have no more deployments uh, ahead of you no I uh no, I decided to retire. So I took a job um, here on Fort Benning at uh, Officer Candidate School, <clears throat> OCS. I took over a first sergeant position there, Bravo Company. And uh, I'm in, I, I, I'm, uh, I have like seven 
yeah, about seven cadre that work work under me, and then uh, uh, we get anywhere from 120 to 160 candidates uh, every 12 weeks. Um, and it's a phenomenal job, man. I love it, actually. I never thought, I mean, I've never done anything. I was a private in the regular army, and then I went to the Ranger Regiment as a young E5. And then I've been there ever since. So I haven't done anything else. Yeah. Um, but with my experience and the, uh, all the you know knowledge that I've gained over the years that in Ranger Regiment, nobody gives a shit about because everybody knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> So you're just comparing things. You you know, you're just a dick measure contest every single yeah. day. You're like, um, but here, like everybody, you know, is very open to like the my knowledge that I bring to the table, and it's very humbling to be able to like uh, give advice. And people go, "That's a great, that's a great idea." I'm like, "What? Are you sure?" You've got life experience. You've got things that people can get value in you have serious life experience that some people are never going to have in their lifetime <laughs> and that's another thing and i that uh i'm trying to do you know with is those life experiences that, that i do have that people aren't never going to have i want them to not ever have to have some of the experiences that i've had so my my big key role is to you know mentor people the best i can to they can maybe hear my story and go, oh, shit, that's what I'm headed down right now. I don't want to do that. Um, or, you know, like, that's a good idea. I think I'll go that route. Like, those type of things as opposed to um, all the, you know, everybody always wants everybody always wants to know war stories, and I got no problem telling them. But uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot of knowledge that came out of that. Uh, that doesn't apply to war. Um, that applies to life in general, and that's that's the new chapter that I'm going into in life and being able to apply that. Like, hey, the army is important and it is your career, but when you zip that suit off, who's going to be standing there beside you? You know. Uh, mm -hmm. And I gave everything to the army and nothing to my family. <laughs> I did, you know, I was there maybe in spirit sometimes, but I wasn't there in full body because I'm always thinking about work. And the new chapter, I'm definitely going to approach that differently. And I want to teach people or give advice on people on how to have balance. Uh, it is about balance in life, you know. Uh, and balance in life is the hardest thing that you have to learn how to do balance your career, balance your family, balance your spiritual needs. Uh, that's the hardest thing you learn. Um, and if you don't surround yourself with good people that holds you accountable, that uh, that check on you, that won't, that won't tell you that you, you're right, <laughs> then they'll tell you you're fucked up, you know, but they'll also tell you that you can do better or that they know better. They know you're better than what you're doing. Um, those solid rock people, you know, like I'm, I'm super uh, humbled that I have you in my life. That I have LeBron. I have Docs. You know, from the therapy clinic in my life. The EIP, the Nostos people. I've been so blessed, Dave. I've <clears throat> been so blessed over the last year to flood my life, um, and I, I just can't get enough of it. So I keep seeking it. Um, flood my life with those people that just keep overwhelming me.
with those type of good vibes because uh, I had so much negative vibe in my life for such a long time. Um, and I've had hard conversations with people like, Bye, Felicia. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's hard, but, uh, you know, like um, people come into your life at a different time. Um, and they're only there for that time. And when their time's up, you gotta let them go. Um, if they're not bringing the positivity into your life that you need. Mm -hmm. And and I just try to, I try to, you know, I'm getting it right every day and I'll tell you that, but I do my best. And I think, I think more now after getting my brain fixed after, you know, five and a half years of deployment time, 585 jumps and more explosions that I could possibly think of. Um, Yeah. After getting my brain worked on a little bit, getting my chemicals right in my body, you know, that it's all it's it's a holistic view, you know, the brain, the body, the your nutrition, your hormones, like everything is has to work in unison of each other. And uh, after leaving, you know, the clinic, I was I've been way better than I've ever been, I think, in my life, like in my head. Um, and I still, you know, everybody, I still get times where I'm, you know, maybe not even, dep- I wouldn't even call it depressed. It was more like just like, eh, like have a eh, day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not just like down the dumps, like boo-hoo Jason type, you know. Um, I'm like, well, we'll sleep it off tonight. It'll be better tomorrow. That's the difference between, um, you know, real clinical depression and like how and and fixing those problems and not just bandaging them with medication. Like you went and you fixed the you're fixing the problems, you're fixing the imbalances instead of just taking a pill to try to tell your brain to fix it for you. And it makes it so much easier when you start sleeping, when when your hormones are right, when you when you're ingesting good things, when you're drinking lots of water, when you're working out those things all compile and then when you have a really hard day the hard days aren't as hard as they used to be and you're able to get through you're able to push on to a different day and instead of allowing it to kind of just buckle you and that's an amazing thing to see my friend and i i'm so glad that you have have welcomed in that energy and you've let that in and you've got the positive around you because it's only going to keep getting easier when you keep in, inviting those types of energies into your life, more and more of that will come. And it's, it's great to see that it's working for you and that you're noticing it and that you're, you're continuing to work on it instead of just say, Oh, I did this and I'll be fine. You're, you're taking the initiative and you're, and you're paying it forward too. Right. Which is never a bad thing. Like the Ranger thoughts is, is a brilliant thing, dude. Like you're giving pieces of information that put value and positivity into other people's lives. So you're, and you're passing it on in a way that I don't think that you ever thought you would do. So to see that being successful, people are resonating and and you're noticing in that. And that's, and that's a great thing. I appreciate that comment. You know, the hardest thing I've ever, the hardest thing I have to do uh, for myself. And I tell people this all the time is, um, the hardest person to please is yourself and to be happy with is yourself and to love is yourself and to care about is yourself. Like 
that's the hardest person to do that to because you can love your kids. That happens naturally. You know, you can fall in love with your wife or that happens naturally. Um, but you're going to love mom and dad. That happens. All those things are natural. Uh, it's not natural to sit with yourself and, and fall in love with yourself and fall in love with life's process and fall in love with uh, understanding who you are. And those, those are hard things to, to deal with and do. Mindful um, work. <clears throat> yes, very mind, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been my biggest struggle my whole life is I didn't love who I was. Um, I didn't love the process that I went through. That I, I that I was becoming. Um, so my biggest focus, you know, this year and, and and going forward is is to understand myself better every day. Um, and when I don't feel a way, you know, and the thing is, like, for for me and old me, like when I felt mad, angry, depressed, uh, upset. Um, I had such negative talk about the problem. Um, you know, stop being a pussy belt for just being a bitch today, you know, or, you know, the, just those things over and over again, or, you know, I would drown it with alcohol um, to feel better, or, you know, uh, those type of things. So uh, it's it's hard to, break habits like that or if it was easy everyone would do it (laughs) right uh self-affirmation is the hardest thing i've ever had to do but i'm getting better at it you know better every day and uh and that's what you know i try to tell people like you know fall in love with yourself and fall in love with the process of falling in love with yourself and at least give yourself 10 minutes a day to just be yourself. Don't not be a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a soldier or a CEO or a, you know, friend or a brother, but just to be you, you know, because everybody expects so much from you. Everybody all the time expects so much from people in their lives. And that for me, just kept feeling like there was a lot of take, 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 and no give. When in reality, people are giving to you, right? They're saying thank you and they appreciate you and all those things. But the give wasn't that you were giving back to yourself, Jason. You know, and that's the realization that I had to come to and with you know getting my brain fixed, getting my hormones fixed, you know, balanced and everything out. Uh I just kind of slowed everything down. <laughs> well, I didn't. Doc and him did. Thank God for Donna and Doc. Gee. <laughs> oh, no, right? And Jeff. Um, but they literally, like, you know, after that, those two weeks, like, I just slow things down. <laughs> if anything, I just slow it down and I go, is this really worth my effort and my exhaustion and my anxiety hell no (laughs) you know uh 
perception just, has changed. I just uh, like Doc would say, flick that booger somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> She's a mess. I love her. I had her on. I had Doc G on the show. Uh, Doc Michelle's coming on soon. I had Doc G on though, and she, she's just. I try to describe her because she is not a normal doctor. You can say no. the most face melting things in front of her, and she'll just if 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 she feels like she needs to distract you for something, she'll just take her finger and just put it in your nose. Right in your nose. And she's like, <laughs> this, is, "This is there now." Like, what are you doing? She's like, "Nothing. Just focus." And then she'll be like, "Now look at this." And I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's brilliant. She's honestly, um, she's going to be the doctor that's going to change things. She's going to be the doctor that saves vets. She's going to be the person that helps heal the community. And I'm, I know there's so many doctors out there doing it, but my personal experience with her, you know, is, is been her and Doc Michelle and has been unwavering in a way that I'm only hopeful, like every other human being who's ever had their head hit gets an opportunity to experience because they've got like the secret sauce it feels like you know i know i right? do know it's it's like you know and I, the first like um i'll give here i'll give them some support oh well yeah how are you not wearing <laughs> that the whole time I, don't know. I just saw it actually sitting on the couch and i was like why don't i have that hat on you should have <laughs> had that hat on the entire time i'm sorry doc but uh, I'll just hold my head. I'll hold my head like this. Yeah, if you could just stay specifically <laughs> like that, that would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, you know the thing is, like, they are changing lives, and they changed my. Life. You know, the first two, the first week I was there, I was like, nah, nah, nah. Do you feel anything? No. Nah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. exhausted. I feel exhausted. You know? So exhausted. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was a skeptic. I was very skeptic. I'm, I'm that type of person that goes, let me see the results, right? And then week two came. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, week two. <laughs> um, and about... What was it? Tuesday. Um, went and bought new shoes. Went and bought new shoes, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did. Um, <laughs> I can't even explain it. Like, by Wednesday, I was like, I'm good where I'm at, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think I'm just going to get better from here. And I remember probably, so I went home, you know, you and I have stayed in touch uh, throughout, but, um, you know, I was walking into uh, the head, the battalion headquarters and I stopped at the front door and I pulled off to the side, you know, not allowed to have your phone in the building. And I was about to put my phone in the little box. And uh, I was like, text doc, you know, on my phone, you know, and I was like, so my question is, I don't know if 
I feel weird. Yeah. Or I feel different. <laughs> but I feel weirdly different. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and Dr. Shell was like, it'll be fine. You're literally in the sweet spot. In a few days, tell me how you feel. Yeah. And, you know, sure enough, because they're like, I think they have Wizards. a Ouija board in the Matrix down there. Going, <laughs> they got my yeah. little doll going on the clock. <laughs> um, sure enough, in a couple of days, I was like, man, I feel good. Like, I, I was like, I'm, I'm not depressed. Um, anxious and anxiousness is like and depression is like completely tanked like I don't really get anxious about much which is awesome because <laughs> my anxiousness was like level 900 yeah just through the roof <laughs> yeah and my you were only um, cortisol Period. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Doc G said. Like, she's like, you've just been literally been run. Like, you, uh, your lab, like, you can look yeah. at your labs. Like, you've literally been running on cortisol for a long time. <laughs> uh, and it, they changed my life down there, man. I swear they have. And I tell people about it, you know. Um, I, uh, my buddy Paul Martinez, who does the uh, the mentors for military with me and Rob. Um, he hooked me up with a company uh, called EIP. Um, it's like Equestrian Immersion Project. Okay. Um, and they're in New Hampshire and also with a uh, company called Nostos, N O S T O S. Um, and through, through EIP, I met uh, Tara, my therapist and uh right after like right right at the beginning of being there I'm, i i had my first conversation with her and i it was like everything happens at the right time for the right reason i believe that and like i i got linked in with her for my first therapy session Right as I was going through the stuff with uh, with Doc and him, that hard time, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was just like perfect timing, like that. Just like got, there's like, no coincidences. That's right. No, it was just perfect timing, and uh, and I've been in with her ever since. And then I just got back from the EIP up in New Hampshire, where we did. I got to go up and like actually meet Tara and her uh, team at EIP, which are amazing individuals. Um, you should look it up. They're uh, awesome. Put them they, in the bio. Yeah. They, uh, uh, they taught us, you know, I've been, I grew up riding horses in Kentucky, you know, but uh, I learned a bunch of different stuff about horses and the way they like, the way they um, incorporate the horses into like the counseling therapy type stuff is just absolutely amazing. You know, the, uh, 
the uh, way they, you know, like if the horse is doing this, they're like, why do you think it feels this way? Why do you think, why would you feel that way? Like, it's just, I was like. Connecting <laughs> all the dots for you, huh? Yeah, it was, you know, with having, you know, coming out of the stuff with the uh, RTMS training, then going into the EIP and NOSDOS training. Um, it has just been a blessing. And, and last year, uh, definitely like the last eight months of my life has been blessed with people like you and them uh, every day, you know, doing buddy checks. You know, I did, you uh, you sent that buddy oh. check sign up. Yeah, was Zach. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I did a buddy check thing on TikTok and, you know, after right after Good. seeing you do that because that's right you know like um if somebody wouldn't have done a buddy check on me yeah. i wouldn't be here today you know, right. dave dave wouldn't have done a buddy check on me I, I wouldn't be here today to talk about um and buddy check saved my life and we need to check on our people more often show them that we care about them that we're thinking about them you know Really doesn't great. need to be it doesn't need to be anything overcomplicated. You don't need to you know have to dedicate your whole day to doing it. It's a single text message. It's it's as simple of just saying, "Hey, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Talk to you soon." Like it doesn't have to be this huge thing and it makes all the difference. And that's the thing I've been trying to just scream about. It makes all the difference. It's one simple thing. And it's people think it's some people think it's cliché like why talk to them all the time. It's like, yeah, but you'd be shocked at how much people need support right now, whether they want to talk about it or not, whether they want to admit it or not, whether they, they are doing just fine. It never hurts to just say, Hey, love you. Hope you're doing well. Hey, you know, hope you're having a great day. It doesn't take much. All it takes is a second out of your time. And with 24 hours in a day, I think, you know, if people around you are are worth it, they're Mm -hmm. worth taking the time for. And can you imagine how many people we would have if others just felt like they weren't alone all the time? Amen. Yeah. You know, I tell uh, <clears throat> I tell my cadre, my instructors, if you spend ten minutes with a candidate, you could change their life forever. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. So that's one of like the big things that we do in my company is that we personalize, individualize things with the candidates to try to develop them, you know, personally communication stuff. So communication is key. And that was something that, um, you know, I, I didn't approach the, the question. I'd never really been asked this question before, but when I was on Jocko, he asked me very clearly, he's like, do you think if somebody would have sat you down after everything that happened to you and said, this is normal, what you're feeling is normal. What has happened to you is normal. How every, how you're doing all of this, this is normal. You're not alone in this. Do you think you would have been, ended up the way you were? And I said, absolutely not. If somebody would have taken the time. You know, the, uh, it's funny that you say that because um, now whenever I talk to Tara, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, she's like, what? Because I'll ask her, like, is that normal? Is that normal? And yeah. now she, she tells me, you know, she'll talk to me, she's like, Jason, there's a, <clears throat> this is one of the best comments that I've ever had from a therapist, I think. And she's like, Jason, there's a huge gap between completely fucked up and normal. 
and what is normal? Who gets to rationalize and say that's normal? Right. So <clears throat> I was like, wow. Because we always think about like completely fucked up and then excelling at whatever it is. But when you think about completely fucked up to being like um, just being normal feelings yeah. and that being a huge gap, that's, that leaves a lot of room for, you know, personal error and being able to, you know, think how you want to think and, <clears throat> and, and, and it's okay to mess up things, you know, it's okay to not get everything right. Yeah, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel a certain way about something that happened to you. It's okay <clears throat> for you to have those feelings. Yeah. And for years and years, I, I didn't think it was okay to have those feelings. Um, yeah. We just had to like put the, just go ahead and put mm -hmm. that right on, right on back there. And, yeah. You know, um, and, you know, we hide it well. Ranger hides it well, you know. Uh, and honestly, like I just kind of in my in my own opinion, my own way, I just kind of got tired of hiding it. Uh, and after I'm glad I lost you my did. buddy, after I lost my buddy Grant to suicide, that was a huge impact to me. Huge, you know, I struggled that a lot. And then after almost taking my own life, uh. I was like, what are you doing, dude? And then, you know, I had some moments in those couple of years there where I <clears throat> was teeter tired back and forth and drinking and finally just like, stop. Stop it all. You know, back in, you know, probably six, eight months now. <clears throat> just like, fucking stop. What are you doing, man? Like, there's a better way. You know that. Find it. And I started looking, you know, I started telling people like, no, I'm not good. They're like, hey, how you doing today? Not good. Whoa. Yeah. What do you what do you mean not good? Because you were supposed to say you're good today. That's right. <laughs> and they're like, that's people don't understand how to take that. No, they don't. It's a, they're like, oh, I don't know what to say now. Well, what you say is, how can, do you want to talk about it? I got, if you talk to somebody and you ask them how they're doing and they don't give you the cliche, I'm good, man, how are you? And they're like, I'm not doing well, man. It's your due diligence as a human to stop what you're doing and care about that person for five minutes at best because that's what they need can you that imagine if more people did that i mean so many lives would be saved mm -hmm. so many lives and i started doing that i started saying i'm not okay i would even get emotional sometimes like no really i'm not good <laughs> fucking my life's floating on itself and I'm making bad decisions. And I just can't make it stop. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to get out of bed. I could care less about coming to work. I don't care if I live tomorrow. Like I don't want to be here in this world today. Like we're fuck it. And what I found was 
Some people still didn't care. And the ones that I thought would care the most didn't. And that hurt me worse, you know? And I'm talking about like coworker stuff, you know? That's unfortunate. The people that, that you, I'm, I'm like, you haven't checked on me for weeks. When you know I'm struggling and not work with you every day, you know? Yeah. Um, that was hard for me, you know, and I fucking buried myself even fucking deeper after this, after that. And you feel not needed, not wanted, you know? Um, and that's when I reached out to, to uh, Ron and was like, dude, I'm fucking burning in completely hot. And I don't know how much longer I got left. Honestly. <laughs> um, and, you know, coming down there to get my brain fixed. Um, and, you know, the medication that I was, you know, able to get down there. Uh, changed my life forever and as it does <laughs> changed it forever and uh i i tell people all the time like you you should take time for people if they need you and if somebody asks for your time your few minutes of time that is irrelevant when somebody needs you uh, because we always preach in the military life limb or eyesight is what we uh, try to mitigate risk with but yet if somebody tells you they're not doing okay in a conversation of hey how you doing today you're like man I'm struggling today I'm not doing well and your next question isn't like stop Hey man, hey, why don't you come to my office? Do this, talk about it. No, no, you're no, come on, let's go talk about it, or let's go grab some lunch real quick. Whatever, okay. there ain't nothing in this army, this world more important than somebody else's life. So, that 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 task that's so important to you is an immediate pause button for somebody's life, and that's kind of the message I want, I'm trying to get out now. Uh, with my, you know, range of thoughts and with talking to people in classes. Um, <clears throat> I always talk about uh, having a passion for others is a priority for me. Uh, it really never was wholeheartedly. But with my future accolades, I'm going to, you know, my future, my next chapter, if you will, with Dave and I, um, we actually are starting a nonprofit, which will be done. The nonprofit paperwork and stuff should be done, hopefully, by next week, uh, called Legacy Ranch. And it is uh, 
we have like we'll have like a tactical side where we teach people how to use weapons and guns and stuff. That's one side of it, which is you know a fun job for me to be able to teach marksmanship and you know my off time. But the most the the part that Dave and I are are the most passionate about is um, whenever in spring break probably three weeks or four weeks in the summertime and then during winter break we're going to be able to bring young uh teenagers kids and teenagers excuse me out from 10th grade to going into their 12th grade year and for five days we're going to make a difference in their life we're going to teach them you know they're all going to be young men because the society uh is is emasculate demasculating men in today's world in a lot so many ways you know like mask to be a masculinity is like a horrible word people use nowadays like oh my god it's so masculine like men were made to be that way you know how many books do you read that say men protected the village men seized this you know like women uh, you know were made to be protected like that's how it works in the Lion King world. Like they're, they're they look after each other. Uh, so we want to bring men, young men, to to give them that like that hope back to like, hey, you you are the the rock and the foundation of that family, and you are the rock and the foundation for that wife and that child to lean on. But it's also okay to not be okay sometimes and need that partner to lean on you too, and other people. And surround the village and make the village stronger and protect that. And we want to bring them in and teach them, you know, life skills like hunting and fishing and how to change a tire and how to ride a bicycle if they need to and how to change the oil and how to procure food and how to procure water, you know, like all those things. Um, so that's the big part of the foundation that we're, we're I'm most passionate about. Um, and we named it Legacy Ranch because, you know, a legacy is something that a person leaves on people or a place that they were at. So we want to bring these young kids in, <clears throat> these young men, and we want them to learn how to go forth and leave their legacy wherever they go, you know, that they're known in a respectful manner for how they were in that particular situation or at that place or at that job they were at. And every, wherever they went, they made, they did their best. You're never going to make everybody happy, but they did their best to leave their mark on that foundational place to be, to make it better every day. So that's a big part of like what I'm going to be doing when I retire that I'm so passionate about. Because uh, I, I think that the more we can um, show young men that it's okay to be men, respectively, and it's also okay to ask for help. It doesn't make you, just because you want to be a big, strong man, like you should be, still doesn't make you weak when you ask for help. It only makes you stronger. 100%. 100%. And, you know, we want to, 
they want to keep driving that home, you know. Um, so I'm very passionate about that, and uh, let's hopefully get to, you know, if you change one kid's life, and he goes forth and changes another, and hopefully we're um, we're going to try to. Uh, well, we're not going to try. We are probably going to bring in a uh, another nonprofit called uh, Safe Suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but um, they're called they're called Safe Suffering, and they uh, their whole foundation is to educate kids on sexual predators on human trafficking on internet trafficking and violence and all those things so that whole that whole safe suffering is the name of it that whole organization is designed to bring awareness to kids and their schools and their communities and all of those things uh so we want to bring that into our um organization uh and kind of partner with them a little bit so what happens is so like um one of us will probably be me will be like a uh you know a instructor for them if you will and i'll teach the classes and stuff to the kids so we're going to build and i think what dave and i've decided is we want to call a youth ranger um so we want to start a youth ranger group and there will be leaders inside that group that will work inside their communities when they leave our our foundation when they leave the ranch and they'll go back to their homes but those they'll those the youth rangers will stay in touch on zoom and stuff so they'll have like a community of support outside after they leave so it's not like a one and done situation exactly that's amazing what they can, what they're going to be able to do, they'll have that support and they'll be able to, uh, they'll get, they'll save supper and will help give them information and pamphlets and all that stuff. And they'll mm-hmm. get credited like community hour service and things like that whenever they bring the education to their schools about the stuff that they'll learn about the trafficking and the sex violence and all those type of things too. Dude, that's so friggin' fantastic. I've never heard of them, but I'm going to look them up and I'm also going to make sure to add those them in the bio because I've that's that's incredible because if you can teach and educate people on a mass scale about what predators look like um especially in this day and age online and in person and people who are close to you, you're going to save a lot of kids from suffering. You're going to save a lot of kids from having to go through things that they should never have had to go through in the first place. Absolutely. And um, one of the big things is, you know, I I can I tell my kids all the time, like, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. Right. But they they going to listen to me. Um, no. So what we do, what's great about the organization, you know, they have like young Marines, I think is the name of one of them. Uh, Dave and I's in our the legacy ranches. We're going to name ours Youth Ranger. So. Uh, then they have like um, different cyber things. But anyway, um, those kids are going to teach kids and kids listen to kids and kids spread the news with kids. 
and they learn from each other. And that's where they're going to get the information. And that's how we're going to save lives and change kids' lives when it comes to those idiots. Well, and it's also great, too, because when the kid that has done the camp and has learned takes that information and starts spreading it out, I wonder how many kids are going to feel safe enough to say, hey, this happened to me or, hey, this is happening to me or, hey, I know of this. And it's only going to help. It's going to help others that are going through it as well to to spark the conversation, to say, hey, I feel safe enough to tell you. And then authorities and other people can be brought in. And that might just end up saving a lot more children than you realize, not only prevention wise, but also active situations. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm, fantastic, dude. I'm, we're excited about, like I said, passion for you know helping people. Um, definitely children. So well, I know. Yeah. Background. Yeah. And I know that um, you guys are going to only continue to do this and do it properly. And you're going to do it in a way that it's going to, it's going to impact. And I know once you guys open up, you'll come back on the show with Dave and you'll talk about it, please. Because I know <clears throat> there are a lot of people who listen to this, who have kids and I'd love to have somebody from that program on the show as well to talk about what they do in prevention and things like that. So that if a parent or someone is learning about this for the first time and doesn't really understand what predators can look like online and how to stop all of that, you know, that is a, a tool that hopefully we can pass on to our listeners as well. Absolutely. Uh, when we get done here, I'll send you the guy's name Perfect. Uh, and the website stuff. Um, but I'm, I actually just talked to Eddie uh, yesterday and he would definitely love to, he would definitely get awesome. on because he, he's a great guy. Um, super, super great guy. You know, it's funny how Eddie and I met, um, I was going to the EIP program. Um, and I'd never flown first class in my life ever. All the flights that I've been on never flown first class. So, uh, the program paid for my ticket. I had some points I upgraded and I was like, hell yeah. So <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is awesome. So, I, you know, I was like, I'm always back there in the very back and coach, you know, so cramped up, but um, it was so awesome. You know, I never flown first class. So I get in there and this older gentleman sits down beside me, you know, uh, we just sparked up a conversation, you know, and uh, literally for over two hours, we just talked back and forth and, um, we just had a Zoom meeting because uh, I was told him about like our program and the Legacy Ranch and what we want to do. And, you know, his his organization is nationwide. And uh, he's like, I'd like to I'd like to see how we can help you. And I'd like to see how we can help each other. Um, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. Right. You know, it's like um, so, you know, the small little dream that Dave and I had is now like starting to like, you know, grow into reality. So. Um, See what happens when you put the positive energy out into the world and ask for it to come back, what it gives you. Amen. Amen. Mother. That's all it takes, honey. Just Bring put it out back. there. Put it out <laughs> to the world and just watch what happens. You got to trust. And sometimes that's, and I got to be honest with you, that's how I meet everybody. Anybody I've, a lot of people I've met that I've done things with has always been on planes. Sit down mm -hmm. on a plane. I'm telling you, there is something about spending the extra money to go. <laughs> I'm not joking. I've met <laughs> some serious people when I've had the privilege of using points. And it's weird because a lot of people are traveling for business. Like you sit down, 
and you're like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, wait a second. And <laughs> there's right. that thing that happens. You're like, oh, yes. Yeah. It's the and best. Eddie said, uh, well, I want to know how we can help you. So um, uh, I, in, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of just the voice in the face, you know. Uh, okay. But Dave's but Dave is the, Dave is the man. And, um, and he, uh, he, he's got the vision and he's so driven and just such an amazing person. And, I, and just like I told you, like you, you spend five minutes with Dave, you want 50 more. Um, he's a great dude. Oh man, he's amazing. Uh, so I got, I told Eddie, I was like, I really need you. To, I was like, I, I can only just, you know, be the face in the in the voice, but I really need you to talk to Dave. You know, yeah. and uh, and last Sunday we set up a Zoom meeting, and we had a solid hour conversation with uh, with Eddie and one of his other directors in the organization. We um, we 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 got some awesome uh, work done and some things out of there. Eddie, now Eddie's going to fly down in August to see the. Uh, see the ranch and, and the progress that we made by then. And we're just super excited to with the way forward that, you know, it's starting to move forward. And, and the, another thing um, with the, with the foundation of legacy ranch, like Dave and I kind of decided this weekend, what we're going to do is uh, so through November through the end of um, January, we're going to bring uh, veterans, wounded vets and, Valor's awards vets and stuff out to the ranch and uh and they'll get a hunt oh there you go so um hopefully we can get hopefully we can get a couple out this year um just to kind of vet it a little bit and 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 see i know one email from me from the regiment and i can get 20 names but um, (laughs) so uh i want to bring out you know the guys and and get them uh some deer and get them a couple hunts out of it and, and that'll be part of our nonprofit too bringing the guys out and getting them so well in the next two years two and a half years we got lots of great great things coming and uh i'm super excited about uh the ranch and the vision uh and just having the, the right people on board and, and bringing more people on board to do the right thing so just hitting it from all uh hitting it from all ends man i'm so i'm so happy for you that you found not only another purpose after, but you've also found yourself. That's that, that's the greatest thing out of this whole conversation is knowing that you found love for yourself, man. Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, I, I keep giving it back to you and Doc G and the foundation. Nothing to do with it, man. man. It, it, takes, <laughs> it takes effort from within and that's all yeah. you. It feels good, you know. I, I I know I still have a lot of work left. We're only four four months in, and I'm I'm looking to be four month, four years in, and, and mm-hmm. only way better than where I'm at now. But um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and mm-hmm. uh, took took forty years to get this way. So hopefully, I get another forty years to make it better. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not with the way that you're going. Um, I'm really, I'm really, really grateful that you gave me your time and you've been so honest about everything. I think people are not only going to resonate with this, but they're going to want to support you. They're going to want to help you. They're going to want to help the legacy. They're going to want to help anything that you're doing. So can you tell people where they can find you, follow you and support you? 
Yeah, so uh, at Ranger Thoughts on TikTok. Um, you can follow me there. Uh, One Shot or Jason Belford on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us there yeah, for uh, updates and stuff. And then Jason Belford on Facebook. You can follow us there for updates. And um, our website will be up in probably the next three weeks. Um, and then I'll, I'll give that to you. Uh, and, and we can post the website for Legacy Ranch. And what our goal is, because uh, we know we still probably about 18 months from cutting the red ribbon, but our goal is we have a lot of pictures and a lot of stuff that, I mean, we've already done probably like $2.1 million worth of work. Um, so we're building buildings, we're excavating land, we're putting in uh, stands and all kinds of stuff for the range and the, and the, the vision. So... Um, we have all kinds of pictures and everything. So we're going to get our website up and running uh, here in the next few weeks. And we'll start posting, we'll be posting pictures of like the, the ranch and the progress and, and where, where it's going. Um, and just looking, you know, for that, uh, when we get the first class of kids in um, and start making a difference in people's lives. Well, you need to let us know when you're ready to rock and we'll have you guys back on and we'd love to talk about it, support it and, and drive as many people towards you and supporting you guys as we can. Yes, ma'am. I'm looking forward to it already. Well, thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate it. We will get all of those links up and make sure. Otherwise, everyone else will see you next week.